in 2007, Elora and I moved to Colorado. Um, and before that, I lived in Texas, and I grew up in Illinois and in Wisconsin. And there's, there's something that is here in Colorado that we don't have in those other places. Mountains, right? If you've ever been, I mean, Illinois, it doesn't get much flatter than that. Cornfields, soybeans, as far as the eye can see. My first job was working in the, the cornfields when I was just a mere 14 years old. <laughs> you feel bad for me. Um, so we moved to the mountains, and our house was above 10,000 feet in elevation. I mean, people here talk about the mile-high city. Ooh, mile-high. I mean, we were almost two miles above, above sea level, and we lived in a, uh, a small uh, townhome. It, it was tri-level. So the garage is on the bottom. You go up to the first floor, living area. You go up to the third floor was the, uh, the bedrooms there. And just getting from the garage to the living area was a workout. Like, you would have to stop and take a, take a breather coming up the steps, especially if you were from, from sea level. And uh, we moved in September, and Elora was fully nine months with child. I mean, so she wasn't partially or, or kind of pregnant. Like, she was, she was all the way. I wouldn't advise moving across. For us, it was across the country uh, with with a, a, uh, a wife who was nine months pregnant. Wouldn't advise, I also would not advise driving in the middle of the night in Kansas, almost running out of gas in your U-Haul with said uh, pregnant wife or, or not pregnant wife. It's never, never going to be a good... Uh, but th- those were the times. Those were the, but not having lived in the mountains previously, we had a, a small deck off the side of the, uh, the second, the living area we could walk out. And, and from across the... Let's see, across the street, across the far street was the 10-mile range. And we would go out, and it was incredible. It was, and I was blowing up MySpace with photos. You guys remember MySpace? It was just phasing out in 2007. Uh, Laura was like, man, you got to get rid of MySpace. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm holding on. And so I, was, I had some, a couple of pictures that I was posting up. I've got a couple for you today. Uh, this is from our, our deck. This one's hard to see, but this is the, the moon set. One, uh, one morning. We'll go, go to the next one there. So that's the, yeah, we'll, we'll cut that one. Uh, that's right from the deck. That's not a bad view, huh? We'll wake up to that. Uh, one, one more here. This was fall because it snows in the fall. And I think this might have been the first snow in September. We're like, oh, it's awesome. It snowed. No, because it didn't stop ever until June. Uh, the sunset. Right? I mean, there's, and then, and then one more. And look at Riley. Riley came along, uh, and you're like, Matthew, was he, was he sick? Remember I said we were at high altitude, so we had for about eight weeks to be on oxygen. Uh, but we were in, in awe of the mountains. And it's, it's like that, uh, if you ever drive in the mountains or visit someplace new, like if you've ever been to one of my favorite places, uh, and I say it wrong every time, Uray. Have you ever been to Uray? It's like they call it the, the, what do they call it? The Swiss Alps of the Rockies uh, or the Switzerland of the Rockies. And, or driving through Rocky Mountain National Park or going to the top of Mount Evans. Like you get out of your car and you can just, like it is awe-inspiring, right? Well, over, over time, like waking up to the mountains every day, this is the same mountains, like we stopped going out on the deck. Like it just wasn't. It lost some of its luster. We lost some of the, 
the wonder of it. It became too familiar, too common. It, it was there every day. And, and I wonder if the Lord's Prayer has lost a little bit of its wonder for us. Like it's lost a little bit of, of the awe. We've, we've nudged the prayer into the, to the closet uh, it's a place, to a place of irrelevance, even though Jesus instructed us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you are from a Catholic tradition, the Lord's Prayer is often associated with penance, right? You, you do something wrong and, and you seek um, forgiveness of your sins. And what are you supposed to do? Uh, three Hail, Mar- Hail Marys, three Our Fathers, do something nice for the person you wronged. And the intention was to, by spiritual formation, bring the, the person into, um, to, to repent. But it, al- it almost has become a, a version of, I will not, right, where you had to write lines in school. Anyone ever have to write, write lines in school? I don't think kids these days have to do that anymore. Do, uh, do kids, any teachers, do kids today still write lines? No, I don't think so. Rylan's, I don't think so. Rylan will try it at home next time. All right. Uh, I remember being in middle school, having to write lines. And, and it, so if you're from a tradition, like the Catholic tradition, where it was part of penance, it, it could very easily slip into punishment where you see it as something you did just like writing lines. Like it loses that, that awe. For others, in other Protestant traditions, uh, the Lord's Prayer has become part of the, the, the liturgy. It's part of our liturgy, what we do every week. And when you, when you do something every week, right, it, it can just, we just kind of go through the, the motions. So it can be the same for us here. It loses that, that awe. Uh, for, for Charismatic and Pentecostals, they have taken the other extreme. They have not abused it by overuse, but by disuse. Like, oh, that prayer, it's, it's too elementary. There's no faith in, in that prayer. Or if it's a memorized prayer, it's not a prayer at all. Um, and so whatever, whatever the tradition, I feel like the, the Lord's Prayer has been over, overlooked. Um, Mark Rutland, he was the former president of Oral Roberts University, which is probably the, the best-known charismatic university in the world. And when he became the president there, he, 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 uh, occasionally he would have the students say the Lord's Prayer in their chapel services. So he had done that a few times, and, um, and after a while he had a mother calling him in tears uh, and her, her comment to, to him was that he was causing her daughter spiritual pain at being subjected to such a practice as saying the Lord's Prayer. Because th- there must have been something in her, her background. And he reassured her, like, no, no, this is what Jesus taught us to pray, but to no avail. She felt that, that he was uh, quenching the Spirit just by praying the Lord's Prayer in their chapel services. And so uh, whether uh, Catholic background charismatic Pentecostal backgrounds, like I think we've lost a little bit of that wonder of the Lord's Prayer. And my hope is, is that the next few weeks as we continue in the Lord's Prayer to stir up within us a, a passion for the Lord's Prayer, a passion for a prayer in, in general, and, and the power that comes from praying. Um, so let's look at the Lord's Prayer. It's Matthew chapter 6. And in each week we'll be reading it together. And I'll be reading from a different translation every week just to give us a little different uh, perspective on it. And so today I believe it's, it's from a, uh, a scholar. His name is N.T. Wright. And so if we want to go ahead and put it up. So this is uh, N.T. Wright. Like I said, he's a New Testament scholar. This is his translation of the Lord's Prayer and the words that precede it. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, When you pray, 
Don't pile up jumbled, a jumbled heap of words. That's what the Gentiles do. They reckon the more they say, the more likely they are to be heard. So don't be like them. You see, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us today the bread we need now. And forgive us the things we owe as we too have forgiven what was owed to us. Don't bring us into the great trial but rescue us from evil. So the prayer begins with a focus on God. Our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your will be done. Um, it does, our, the prayer doesn't begin with a focus on ourselves, um, but our focus, our attention is turned to the Lord. Um, now, last time we were together, we looked at our Father in heaven. And we said to even come into prayer, you have to understand your relationship with God as he is your, your father. And Jesus gives us his own identity before the father. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Jesus gives us his own identity before the father and says that we should consider his father our father. I mean, that's, that's spectacular. That is spectacular. And so that is how we come into prayer, recognizing that we are God's children and that what we are not by nature, we are made by grace, children of God. And, but today I want to focus on the second phrase. Traditionally, it's called, hallowed be your name. What, when was the last time you used hallowed in your normal conversation? I'm not talking like, hello. <laughs> not, not that. Um, may, maybe just in when you say Halloween, like the word is in that all hallows Eve. It's in, but, uh, but other than that, we rarely say the, the word hallowed except in the Lord's Prayer, and we can sympathize with the child who's heard an adult say the Lord's Prayer and prays, Our Father in heaven, herald be your name, right? Because uh, we hear things, and you probably have heard things like that in, in Scripture when they've been read. But there, there are different English translations of Scripture. The Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Greek. The New Testament's written in Greek. And when it's translated into English, we, use, we typically use on, on Sundays the New International Version. And it's the, it's the kind of translation that's called a dynamic equivalent translation. So it's not necessarily a word for word, but it tries to take an idea from Greek and give you the idea in English. And, and it tries to stay up to date, and then from time to time there's an update and they change the words. But one word they have not changed is the hallowed, and hallowed be your name. And I think it's because we, we don't have a good English counterpart. Like there is no word that is one for one fit from hallowed. Like there's just no, no better word. And so they, they have kept that, that word. Um, so to hollow, what are we talking about? To hollow something means to honor or to make uncommon or to make something special, to treat something as sacred and ultimate. So to hollow means to honor, to make uncommon, or to make something special, to treat something as sacred and ultimate. Um, you could think of hallowed as, may it be made holy. May it be made holy. And so to hollow something is to treat something as absolutely sacred, something of ultimate concern, to make it the most important thing, to make it the most crucial thing. And so in this prayer, we're, we're starting with praise and, and adoration because everyone hollows something. Everyone hollows, and we don't 
obviously use that, that terminology, but there, it is that thing that is most precious to us. I mean, think about, uh, I mean, for some, it's your reputation and your name. Like, you're not, I, w- I was having uh, coffee with a gentleman not too long ago, and, and he, has had, he has had a hard life. He's recently uh, been out of prison, and his main concern was what, what I thought about him. And I had to reassure him that I, I don't think less of you because of your past. Like, I'm just getting to know you. And I, and, but the whole conversation was wrapped around, like, his, his honor. It was, it was all, and, and that's understandable, right, and, and with, uh, with the past that, that he had. Um, but as we, like, that was, I mean, the gist of the, the entire conversation and, and so for us, or for some of us, it's our, our reputation. Like, so think about it at work. Have you ever found out someone's been talking about you behind your back? And, and maybe even what they're saying was true. Is it the type of thing, of course, everybody's going to be upset, right? Nobody wants anyone talking about them. But if it, if it keeps you up at night, if it always consumes your, your thoughts, then what you are, have hollowed is your own reputation. Is your own um, is your own name for for others? What they have hollowed is the weekend. Like we we live in a beautiful place, and 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 we need to enjoy God's creation. We need to get out. And but if if it's all you think about all week long, like I can't wait, I can't wait to the weekend, and, and your entire life is around uh, your recreation, then you have hollowed. Your recreation. Uh, for others, it's maybe a relationship or your, your lack thereof. Um, maybe it's control or it's your career that you have hollowed. Everyone hollows something. And so when we look at the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name comes before uh, any request of God. Hallowed be your name comes before any even confession of God. And I think that's intentional. Um, so think of it like this, is that praise, hallowing God's name, it frames the other portions of the, the prayer. It's the context. It, it saturates the others. So, so praise is how you look at God. Petition, give us this day our daily bread. That's how you look at the world. And then confession is how you look at yourself. Uh, and how you look at God is going to determine how you look at the world. Right? Uh, it's going to determine how you look at your, yourself. And uh, the, so, for example, the height of your praise will determine the depth of your repentance. The height of your praise will determine the depth of your repentance. If you have a small God, your repentance is going to be shallow. Your confession to God is going to be shallow. Uh, my grandfather was the type of person who, like, you have, I don't know if you ever think about people this way, but you have, like, Jesus, and then you got like Mother Teresa, you know, then the rest of us. And occasionally there's people that get into like the Mother Teresa type. My grandfather, for me, was like one of those Mother Teresa types. And he was, um, I mean, just a God-fearing, God-loving man of God who loved Jesus. And he was also a, uh, a preacher. And I can remember even as a young boy that he was always confessing in his, his sermons, his shortcomings before God. Like, and it was, he was always amazed that God would save him, that 
God would save him. And it was because, I believe, my grandfather had a high view of who God was. And because he had a high view of who God was, he understood that he was unworthy of salvation. And so the height of your praise determines the depths of your confession and your repentance. Does, does that make sense? Does that? Um, if not, I, I'm moving on. So hopefully, hopefully it does. Um, and, and many of our problems with ourselves, with people around us, come from this failure to hollow God as we should, to hollow his name. And so whatever you hollow, whatever you make supreme, it runs your life. Whatever consumes your thoughts runs your life. And so hollowing God, what that does is it heals our view of the world and it heals our view of ourselves. It, it changes our, our perspective. Um, there's a story that I came across of a, a woman who was seeking counseling. And she went to the counselor for, for several weeks. And after about six sessions, the, the counselor wrote a prescription for her, and, and she took it. And this is what the prescription said, that she was to go to Niagara Falls for a week. And besides eating and sleeping, she was to stand at the foot of the falls and just look up and look at Niagara Falls. And after the week, come back and report back to the counselor. And she stared at the prescription and she got angry. She's like, I have paid you $150 per session. That's about what it, what it costs. Um, and you have taken my money. And this is your prescription for me. And his response was, I've seen you now for five sessions. And I've mostly listened. And you've talked without stopping for an hour each time. All you talked about was you, your dreams, your hurts, your families, and your guilt. What you need is to see something bigger than yourself. What you need is to see something bigger than yourself. And I will uh, be the first to say that most folks could use some counseling. Like you, you, most marriages from time to time could use counseling. Elora and I have gone to counseling. Sometimes you need a third party to come in. Um, Elora, she said amen back there. She's like, yes, I saw it. Uh, to to help. So, so counseling is, in, like I am pro-counseling. At the same time, I am pro-God. Like in seeing him for who he is, has a way of working itself down into our lives and, and bringing healing where, where otherwise we would not find it. Psalm 138 says, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. You have exalted above all things your name and your word. So we've talked about hallowed, and the, the phrase says, hallowed be your name. And if you grew up in church, you don't think about it. Like, oh, yeah, we, we honor God's name. But God's name represents God himself. Uh, God's name reveals who God is. It's, God's name stands for God himself. Um, God's name is how the eternal immortal God makes himself available to us. That is how he is known to us, how he is unapproachable but makes himself approachable by his name. There's an account in the, the Old Testament of Moses and the Israelites. The Israelites had been taken captive um, by the Egyptians and for 400 years they were slaves. And Moses grew up 
under Pharaoh's household, saw the oppression of his people, and then tried to take matters into his own hand, and then had to escape for his life into the wilderness. And so he's been in the wilderness for, for some time, and he sees this, this burning bush, and he's drawn to this bush because it's not being consumed, and he comes to the, the bush, and the bush speaks to him. God speaks to him in the fire, and God says to him, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. And then God reveals himself to Moses. He says, I am the God of your father Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac, and the God of your father Jacob. And I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him that I have told you to let my people go. And Moses says, no, thank you. Multiple times. You read it in Exodus chapter 3. God's doing all these things. He's speaking from the, this burning bush. And Moses is like, mm, I don't know. What about this? What about this? And so uh, Exodus 3 verse 13, here is one of those, what about this? Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Basically, Moses is making an excuse. Like, I don't, I, don't know your, I don't know you. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to tell, uh, say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. God, he reveals himself, and his name is I am who I am. And, and scholars have, have talked about what this name means, and uh, some, some Jewish rabbis say you could translate it as I will be. But God, in revealing his name, has revealed himself to say I am. I exist. I am self-existent. I have no beginning or no end. God I mean, to think about, he is now what he has always been. And what he is now, he will be in the future. Uh, it's as if God is saying to Moses, you call me by my name, but, but do not make the mistake of thinking you can comprehend me. I am free to be who I will be. My name means I exist. So God is God with us, without us. God doesn't need our assistance. He doesn't need our support. He gives us our existence. At the same time, God chooses not to be God without us. He chooses not to be God without us. And he offers his name to Moses. And that same God has come even closer to us in Jesus Christ. And so God reveals himself by his name. God's name stands for God himself. And, and in this prayer, there's this, this pendulum of, of prayer of, of God's greatness, of honoring God's name, but yet he is Father. And we come back. And, and if your pendulum just swings just a little bit, like, if, like I said, if, if God isn't that great, then his fatherliness, I made that up myself, you can, you can quote me, his fatherliness is also not that. Like, okay, God's father. But the, the wider the pendulum springs on, on God's greatness, the greater you'll understand how awesome it is to be called children of God. And so in this prayer, we have this back and forth of the greatness of God and the higher it comes over here, the farther you're going to swing over on God being our Father. And we have, that, uh, we have that balance in this prayer. So God's name, it's connected to his character. It's connected to his, his attributes. 
And this can be difficult for us to understand. I mean, how many of you know what your name means? Just show of hands real quick. How many of you know what your name means? All right, okay. Most, mostly. I know what my name means because my mother would tell me and tell everybody else all the time what my name means. You, you, if you have sat by here out, out front grabbing coffee, you, she's probably told you Matthew means gift from God. All right? But now ask me, what, what, does, what do my kids' names mean? Rylan. I don't know. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, Britt. Man from Britain, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bet, my little girl Bennett. Blessed. Now, I do know Elora's na- name means. Uh, well, I gotta look it up. I wrote it down. My light, or God is my light, and I only know because I, I googled it this week to make sure I didn't get in hot water. Um, To know that my name is Matthew tells you very little about me. It tells you there was a high probability that I was born around 1980, give or take a couple years. That's when Matthew was at the height of its, of its use. I mean, I have met some Matthews that I really like. I have met some others that bring shame to the name Matthew. Um, and, and so... In some cultures, in some families, the name is, is given more weight than others. Like, um, and even, it can vary from family to family within cultures. In, within Jewish tradition, the naming of a child is very important because the name is seen as, as being of conveying something about the identity of, of the child. But when I'm at home and I'm like, hey, Rylan, go clean your room, I'm not thinking about the character or essence of Rylan. I am trying to distinguish him from my other minions and his mess that he needs to go clean up. Uh, and so our, our names, and if, and if your name has more importance to you, uh, I mean, like I said, it's, it's different from culture to culture, but I could change my name, and it wouldn't change much about who I am. In fact, I thought about Spartacus. <laughs> Just so I can say, I am Spartacus. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anytime soon. But for God, it's a whole different game. It's a whole different story. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are not asking God to make his name holy. That would be like asking water to be wet or like fire to be hot or like a tree to be wood. Now, when Jesus says, pray this, hallowed be thy name, he is reorienting our life to its proper relationship with the Father. And, and he directs us to pray that we would regard God as holy, even though God is holy with or without our prayer. Psalm 115 says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Um, this past Thursday evening, we had our monthly time of prayer as a church, and we prayed through the Lord's Prayer. And in fact, if you would um, like to pray through the Lord's Prayer on your own, like some, some helps, we have these uh, booklets in the back. If you haven't picked one of these up, uh, they're, they're free, no charge. And in here, we have our two-year Bible reading plan that we talk about uh, most weeks. 
we also have some prayers on, on praying the Lord's Prayer, like going through each phrase, phrase by phrase. And on Thursday night, we were praying, and we got to hallowed be your name, and we didn't get much further. Like, we could not get past that point. Um, and the, the longer we prayed hallowed be your name, the longer that we gave God praise, the, the more I realized that I am powerless. Like, I make a poor God. I make poor decisions. And, I, and for part of the time, I just had to sit there and meditate, and there was nothing that I could say because of how great I was beginning to understand God was and how small I began to see myself. And different people read different prayers. And then uh, my dad read a portion of Isaiah 40, and I just want you to meditate on these words. And we're, we're talking about honoring God's name. Hallowed be thy name. So Isaiah 40 says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or the breadth of his hand has marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in the basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in the balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who has taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With him then, with whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes and presidents, that's my own translation, uh, to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and the whirlwind sweeps them away like the chaff. To whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these things? He brings out the starry host one by one and calls them forth each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They will walk and shall not faint. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. 
problem is we so often do not hallow God's name. That's why we are instructed to pray, hallowed be thy name. We, we need a reminder from time to time. We need to remind ourselves that we find ourselves in a story where God's name is not treated as unique. God is not treated, he is treated as common. He is not treated as one of a kind. And, and God's reputation in Jesus Christ is in the process of being restored. Not because God did anything, but because his people so often fail to honor God's name. And to not honor God's name, what's the opposite? Is to profane God's name. Uh, and, you know, traditionally we think of profaning God's name as like um, I'm doing some work in the yard and I hammer and I hit my finger and, and I say something, Peter, Paul, and Mary, you know, like we put God's name in there and we think, well, that's profaning God's name. And, and you shouldn't do that. But at a deeper level, what are our attitudes and in what ways do our, how often does our attitude not honor God's name? Or our, our actions not honor God's name? Or our relationships, the way that we work, the way that we, uh, we gossip with our, our coworkers? Like, when we do that, we are in fact profaning God's name. So when we pray this pray this prayer, hallowed be thy name, it's, it's a prayer that, again, God would become the, our priority. Um, because when God becomes the priority, then we are removed from being our own, our own God. Uh, Najee, if you want to come, I'm going to be closing in just a, just a moment. So, so praying the Lord's Prayer removes us from being the ultimate in our own lives, and it's not an easy prayer. Like, we like to add God as an add-on to our lives most of the time. Like, God, here's, here's my life. If you could just come along and, and maybe open up some opportunities for me or take care of me when I'm sick. Like, if you just kind of come along with me. But that, that's not the position that God wants in our lives. He wants the priority, the preeminence in our lives. And we have such a tendency to drift towards self-centeredness. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a, a car that, was in desperate need of an alignment. Like you took your hand off the wheel and like it is your veering or veering and, and you had it down like if you were coming down a corner, like you take your hand off the wheel just to see it follow the, the curve. Uh, I've had some, some cars like that. That is the way our self-centeredness, like we are misaligned and we drift towards self-centeredness all the time. Like that is just our natural bent. And so this prayer, hallowed be thy name, is, it's a correction to this alignment in our lives. And, and we like to pray, or, or we pray, hallowed be thy name, but in the back of our mind, you're saying, but I'm going to keep this area of my life. You know, I don't really want you to talk about that part of my life, God. Hallowed be your name, except where this part of my life, where it might just cost me too much. Hallowed be thy name. Now we, as children of God, we bear the family name? Are we bearing the family name well? Would, would the Father be able to sign off on our attitudes and thoughts this past week? Would He be able to, to sign off on what we've done and on what we've said? And that's a bit hard and hopefully a, a bit convicting, but hope is not lost. God's name is His alone and there is no other 
God. Isaiah 48, 11 says, for my own sake, for my own sake I do this, how can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. So it comes as a complete shock then in the New Testament when we read the words of the Apostle Paul speaking of Jesus when he says, therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has fully represented the Father to us. And he has fully represented us to the Father. And it's through Jesus that we can call God our Father. It's through Jesus that we can hollow God's name because we fall short. We mess it up often. Um, I mess it up often. And so this prayer is hollowed be thy name is a prayer reorienting our lives from ourselves being supreme to God being supreme in our lives and we're going to conclude with a time of prayer before we move into communion Um, and when I come when I pray through the Lord's prayer and when I come to uh, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven I like to think of it as Uh, like ever-growing circles around me in this prayer. So when I start, and I'll lead us in in just a moment, so what I'll do is I'll give you some instructions just at your seat. Najee will uh, continue to play. Uh, We're just going to take some time to pray uh, because we we learn how to pray, not from a sermon, but from praying. And so we're going to take some time to pray together. Um, But these, these growing circles, so I... I like to pray, Father, hallowed be your name in my life, in my actions, my attitudes. And, and I think back to the last week in ways that maybe I haven't hallowed God's name the way I should have. And so I start with this smaller circle. And then, then I move into my like uh, other circles, my relationship circles, my work circles. And, um, and that, that's going to sound more like hallowed be your name in my family. Hallowed be, so back individually, hallowed be your name in my time, the way I spend my time, the way I spend my days, the way I, I spend my resources, the way, would, would you be hallowed? And, I, and look at every aspect of your life. God, be hallowed. God, in, in my family, would you be, would you be honored? Um, in my relationships, in my marriage, may you be honored in this conflict I'm going through so-and-so with my, with my sister or my, my co-worker. May you be honored. May you be honored in this bankruptcy I'm facing and the sickness I'm going through. May you be hallowed in my work. Hallowed be thy name in this church when we gather. Hallowed be God's name in, in all the churches in the neighborhood, in the city. Hallowed be thy name in the city. And so I just started close and then we're going to move the prayer out. Hallowed be thy name. And you could find yourself, as you're praying through the Lord's Prayer, never getting past, hallowed be thy name. So let's take a moment. Would you pray, hallowed, just begin with hallowed be thy name. And, and, and
and prayers of making God supreme in your life. It could be prayers thinking about God's attributes, thinking about his greatness. Maybe for you it is considering the creation that is around us. Would you pray, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name in my relationships, at work and with family. Hallowed be thy name, Lord. not to us but may you receive all the glory may your name be held in high esteem may you be given the priority and Father I pray that as, as a church when we gather on Sundays when we gather in our community groups and, and just with neighbors that our lives would honor you that our lives would point people to your name and that you would be ultimate, 
God, that each time we gather, when we leave this place, whatever you have spoken to us, whatever we have confessed of as we've gathered, that as we leave this place, that your name would be on our hearts and on our lips and that we would make your name famous above all other names, that your name would be great, that your name would be great. We pray this in your name.